This class, as we say every week, is in memory of Jared Orchem. And um, the Torah is in his, in his memory. It will be an aliyah for his soul. Page 557 is Parshas and This week we're going to read two Parshas in the Torah, in the synagogue. And in top of it, we're going to read another Torah portion from a second Torah. Parshas HaChodesh, about the beginning of the, the Rosh Chodesh, the beginning of the month of Nisan, of the Exodus, a piece from Ex the Exodus. Then it's going to be a longer service. Then everybody should bring something to eat during <laughs> 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 the service. <laughs> Maybe we should start uh, 15 minutes earlier. And, uh, God forbid nobody should have to sit extra minute in the show. <laughs> but it's, what's interesting about this, what's going on in this parashas, the story of the building of the temple, of the, of the sanctuary in the desert, occupies four parshas, over four parshas. Two parshas, Truma and Tetzaveh, how God tells it to Moses. And two parshas, Vayakil and Pekudei, how Moses tells it to the Jewish people how to build. And everybody is asking, so much details and details and details going on and on and on and on. And the other laws in the Torah, let's say you, when you in this, actually this parsha starts with the mitzvah of Shabbat. Three lines about Shabbat, pages and pages about the temple. Today somebody asked me, what's this? Three lines about Shabbat? Shabbat you do forever, 4,000 years, right? I mean, 3,300. Really, Shabbat started even before God gave the Torah. And the, te the temple, 2,000 years that we don't have a temple altogether. Even before the temple that we built in Jerusalem is not the way the temple is written here. That was the the drawings for the for the portable sanctuary, not for the real, not for the temple that was built in Jerusalem. Even the portable sanctuary officially was supposed to be for for just a little bit, and then it extended for longer. Even when they entered the land of Israel, it was in Shiloh. They built a, a sanctuary. The walls were made out of stone, and the roof was the same roof that they used for the portable sanctuary. But the walls were already not the same walls. Then this sanctuary was built for a very short period of time, one time. So many details. Other mitzvahs are not written altogether. How to slaughter an animal, Jewish way of slaughtering, is not even written in the Torah. Even mitzvahs that are written, uh, Shabbat, it's written, do not make a fire on Shabbos. You know how many laws are there on Shabbat? All the laws of Shabbat we learn from the temple. What was allowed in the temple is not allowed on Shabbat. That's a whole story in this discussion and so on. But what I mean to say is, that's, and the, and the writing and about the temple is so, so much about the temple, so little about other things. Maybe the reason is, things that you can do, first of all, start with your children. When your children are home, you barely talk to them. Hi, bye. That's it. I'm going. I'm going. I'll be back. When they're in college, how are you? What are you doing? What do you eat for the morning? What are you doing in the afternoon? What's your friend? How do you feel? You like the class? You don't like it? You're going on and on and on and on. When they're home, you never talk to them. Suddenly, they're out of town, became such good friends. You go on. What happened? When they're here, they're here. You don't need to talk about it. Give them a hug. That's it. 
when you cannot do with them something, you have to replace it, you have to substitute it with, speak, with speech, with words, because you cannot do it. With the mitzvahs, it's the same thing. A mitzvah that I can do, what is there to talk about? How to put on film, look at your father. He will look at his father, he will look at Moses, and how to put on film, what's the reason to waste, to waste time talking about? How to observe Shabbat? If you were raised in such a home, you know how to observe Shabbat. What's the point to talk? Things that we cannot do, we talk about. The temple we don't have. God also knew better than all of us that the temple is not going to be for the majority of Jewish history. Then we replace the actions with words. Where actions cannot come, you can substitute it with words. More than that. You want to describe, if you, somebody sees a picture, you don't have, he sees it in one second, it's done. Let's move on. You go to a museum. You look at the, okay, let's go. If I would have to describe the picture to somebody, take 20 minutes and go details and this. And the picture starts with details. That we don't have a sanctuary, that we need to describe it. To describe it, we need to go in, the, in details. Then we go on and on and on. Now, when you read a good book, what's a good book? Somebody writes so many details that makes you feel like you are there. The more details you have about the temple, the more you feel that you are, you are inside the temple. Then today that we do not have a temple, we don't build a temple, we're not allowed to build a temple, the only way to fill in the temple is by knowing the details. The more we learn about it, the more we, the more we are inside the temple. You can see, when you learn a lot, you can, and you read the Yom Kippur, for example, we read about the day how the high priest used to do his service in the temple, right? You can feel like you're, you're in the journey, you're there inside the high priest, how he walks in, in the prayers that he makes, and you get all excited together. The Torah puts you in this feeling. That's why it's, it's, so, it's so much details. Because we do not have it, because we cannot do it, then in the, in, it's written in the Torah, in the, in the prayers, we will fulfill the mitzvah of sacrifice by saying it. Saying it fulfills the mitzvah. Because I cannot offer, that's why by every prayer on, the, on Shabbat and holidays we recite the sacrifice that you used to bring. Saying it is like doing it, because we cannot do it. And that's why it's so, we are so busy talking about the temple, talking about the This is nothing, wait, there is a whole book of Leviticus. The first few parishes of Leviticus are all about the, sac the sacrifices. And you read it and you ask yourself, oh my God, what's going on here? I know they say the detail and do it this way and do it this way. Nobody ever, for over 2,000 years we don't do, don't do the sacrifice. You're right, because we don't do it, that's why we talk about it. Now that we know all of this, <laughs> then we'll skip a little bit here, and we'll go to page 562. Moses announced, told them what, what needs to be done. The, whole, the nation left, and they came the next morning. That was, Moses came down on Yom Kippur with the second set of tablets. You need to understand, the day after, the day of Shavuot, he went up at Mount Sinai. And Shavuot, it's like this, let's start the story. Pesach, they left Egypt. 50 days later, they received the Torah. Early morning, Shavuot. In the same day, Moses went up on Mount Sinai, told him, I'm going to bring you two tablets. Wait for me 40 days. 40 days passed. The 17th of Tammuz, it's the first day, they made a golden calf. 
he broke the tablets, right? He went up for another 40 days just to work out the deal, to ask for forgiveness. I told them, okay, now you bring the second set of tablets, the two stones of, from, from, from there, from downstairs. He bought the second stone, he went up at the, the beginning of the month of Elul, stayed there for 40 days. Yom Kippur, Moses came down with a second set of tablets. He put it, he sneaked into the, to the camp, nobody saw him the second time. The first time was too much noise, too much excitement. God told them, you know, it was an evil lie. Too much, uh, not the whole world has to know everything you have, you know. <laughs> too much excitement. Next time, make it quiet. They sneaked in the tablets, covered us up, finished. That's why Jewish people are a little fussy, a little about the, you know, they don't want to make noise about everything. Because in Judaism, if you want a blessing about something, cover this up. Not the old world has to know. You have a nice car, keep it in garage. Don't drive. <laughs> <laughs> Even if you drive it, it's how your attitude about your car. If you talk a whole day about it, everybody will be jealous. But if nobody, if you don't, if it's a non-issue, then nobody will talk about it. Day after Yom Kippur, Moses told him, Hashem has a way to forgive you for the golden calf. He told him, we will build a temple. Build a temple that will be an atonement for the golden calf. There's a whole discussion. If the, golden, if the building of the temple was a plan before the golden calf, or it was an afterthought because of the golden calf. No matter what, it was an atonement for the golden calf. The bottom line, they gave money for a golden calf, now they're giving gold for, for building a temple. The Jews were very excited. And now we're going to read about their excitement. Page 562, it's, cha it's, a, it's a chapter 35 in Parshas Vayakel, number 21. Go ahead. Every man whose heart <coughs> lifted him up came, and every one whose generous spirit inspired him brought a truma offering to Adonai for the work of the tent of meeting and for all that was needed for its service and for the sacred garments. Everybody came, anyone that is out uh, inspired them. People brought according to their... To their how much they wanted, how much they were excited about it. Was, it was a very exciting event. People gave whatever they want. Then comes something very interesting. Go ahead, continue. And they came, both men and women, all who were generous of heart. Both came, men and women. It's written, the men came literally in top of the women. They're pushing the women. The women were the first one. In the golden calf, the men gave the donations. Building the temple, the women gave the donations. How we know that the women were the first one to give the donations? Continue to read. What they bought? And Generous of Heart brought bracelets, nose rings, finger rings, and buckles, all kinds of Tell me, vessels. who brings these things? This is nose jewelry. Ring. Nose rings? Then, that time there was nose rings. It was a women thing. It's only new. Now the, the, the boys running around with nose rings. Have you seen Dennis Rodman recently uh, on the news? Uh, oh, no. Was he in North Korea? Yeah. With all the rings on the yeah. nose rings. And right. so, so, women, so women bring jewelry. Women bought the jewelry, and they were the first one to bring the jewelry. They were the first one to bring the donations to the temple. They were excited. They were came. They were, they were pushing. Mm -hmm. The men came, slept along with them. <laughs> <laughs> to the golden calf, the men were the one, the first one to give. The men, the women didn't want to give. Here, the men gave. The women were the first one. Always in Jewish history, the women were on the right side, the men were on the wrong side. All the way from the beginning. Leave Egypt. The the men did not. We're going to learn that soon. 
the men did not want to have more children in Egypt. Right. The women were the ones who forced mm -hmm. the men to have children. And that's why it was a new generation to go out of Egypt. And then it was, but the golden calf is the first example. Uh, the, men, the, the women, the, the women uh, didn't want to be, didn't be a part of the golden calf, the men were. Mm -hmm. Then it came to the story of the spies. The men were doubting if they can conquer the land. The women said, we'll go, we'll make it. The men died in the desert. The women entered the land of Israel. Always, always in Jewish, in the history of the, of the Bible, or always the women had the right idea and the men had the wrong idea. Surprise, surprise. Then it's, here it's again, they were the first one to come to the temple. Then continue. Yeah, except where, well, okay. Every, every and every man that offered a wave offering of gold unto, unto Adonai. Every man who had with him greenish blue wool, dark red wool, crimson wool, fine linen, goat's hair, red dyed ram skins, or takish skins brought them. Okay, we'll skip to number 27 because it's all type of things that they bought and what they did. And the same page, page 563, number 27. And the leaders of the tribes. And the leaders of the tribes. Really? <laughs> we were the leaders of the tribes until now. They were uh, hoping that The leaders of the tribes. The, isn't the leaders should be written, the first one, and the leaders came in the morning early? Can you imagine Moses? There is 12 tribes, there are 12 leaders. Moses shows up early morning, waiting by the entrance of, the tent, of his tent, waiting for the big fundraiser to start. He's looking around for his guys. Nobody's there. Dead. Quiet. Shh. It's like you come in, the rabbi comes to the shul, the, it's, it's the regular tent. Nobody's there. What is this, a, a strike today? You are, you need. And people come, the women come first, the regular people come first, the men come. Then other people come, then the strangers that Moses never saw and never met, the whole nation. And then when everything is there and everybody came, oh, then the, the, the leaders showed up. Oh, Shalom Aleichem, here they are. <laughs> <laughs> they hear, oh, they're coming, the important people, they show up. What they bought, I'm sorry, what they bought? They brought. <laughs> Onyx stones and stones for setting into the ephod and breastplate. Uh-huh. You know what? They, they brought this because this was the only one that was still missing. The Jewish people in two days brought everything. Too much. And it came to, it came to the Nassim, the leaders wanted to bring a donation. There was nothing to bring. <laughs> they, they found one thing, the breastplate, the stone, the diamonds for the breastplate, nobody bought. That they bought this. Now we'll read the Rashi on page 563 that speaks about this story. 27, bottom of page 563, number 27. And the leaders of the tribe brought. <clears throat> Rav Nelson said, why did the Nassim, Nassim see fit yes. to contribute to the dedication of the altar first? You see something very interesting. It comes to the dedication of the altar. We're going to read in next, next book, Leviticus. You read that the, 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 the leaders were the first one, every leader of every tribe for the first 12 days, they were offered sacrifices. They started the, 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 the temple. They were the first one to use the temple, to bring the first offering. It says there, we read them in the Torah, it says we read them, they were the first one. Here, they read them the last one. Obviously something didn't work here. Go ahead. Um. 
Whereas for the work of the Mishkan... Whereas for the works of the Mishkan, they were not the first to contribute. But the Nishim thought as follows. Let the public at large contribute whatever they will contribute, and whatever will be lacking... um, We will supply. We will supply, right. Once the public supplied all that was needed... uh, Okay, then what what does the logic... Rabbi Nossam says, Rashi brings, what is the logic of the leaders? They were not bad people. They were the leaders of the Jewish people. They said, let the people bring the donations, and we will write the check for the rest, for the difference. I wish I would have such an idea. <laughs> hey, we'll make the fundraiser. How much are you missing? I have a million dollars. Here's the check. Great! That was the thought. A nice thought. They will not give the Jews the opportunity. What happened? The Jews were so generous. They were left with nothing. They came to give the different. Ask Moshe Rabbeinu, what's amazing? Moshe Rabbeinu doesn't. Thank you very much. We don't need you. We have everything. That's what happened now. Then go ahead. They said what? Then the Nassim said what? What is left for, for us to do? Yeah. And it is, uh, <clears throat> and it is said, and the work was sufficient. The Nassim said what is left for us to do, so they brought the Shoham stones, etc. It is for this reason that they contributed to the altar dedication first. And since at first they were somewhat lax, there is a letter missing here from their name. And it is written without... Nesim without a yud. <laughs> Basically, it's like this. Then I'll ask you, what they made in there? They, they had good intention, right? What is wrong? Then Nesim said, let the old Jewish people bring down. Let me spoke about it, right? That's what. What's the right thing, you know? As we talked a few times, in the world of good, it's much harder to make decisions. That's much harder, you know, from good to bad. Nobody has to tell you. You know. You don't. So I don't want to do it, but I know. Nobody will, will fool you. You ask your child, you tell me. You know what's bad. You know the, you know the right thing. Nobody will tell you it doesn't know. Every child in Nipples College, they, they, they know right from wrong. Everybody knows right from wrong. He doesn't want to make a choice, the right choice, but he knows. In the world of good, there is so hard to make a choice. I want to share with you a story we spent a few times about a Hasidic rabbi, Reb Nochum of Chernobyl. Story goes, he was, he was, uh, it was Thursday night, there was no money in the house, nothing. And the rabbi, he was a famous rabbi, but you know, this guy used to give everything for charity, there was nothing there. The rabbi thinks what's going to be, there is no, you have to buy food for Shabbat, and then the community is coming, you have to buy. Then shows up a rich chassid. Them, you know, there is no money here. He said, don't worry, I bought 400 rubles. And I give the rabbi the money. The rabbi is sitting and writing, you know, you will give 20 to the, to the butcher and fell. You pay off all the, all the money he owes. It'll be beautiful. He obviously gave the rich chassid the first appointment, right? <laughs> Who you give? The guy, the schlepper? <laughs> He came in first, fine. Then was in the middle of his... Then he came and he left, and another person came, and another person came. Then Reb Nochem of Chernobyl had to interrupt his, 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 his accepting people. And he heard him, he prays there, and he cries, and he prays. Then he calls in, he continues, he continues the evening. Finally, the end of the evening comes, the guy walks in, 
He doesn't have it. We need money for Shabbat. He opens the door. He says, take whatever is there. His eyes told me, he, he thought he's dying. There's a few coins there. He was, this guy was paralyzed. The secretary, the secretary. He looks at the rabbi like, something happened there. The rabbi looks at him and says, you're probably wondering where are the 400 rubles, right? He says, after this, you said you let the chassid in first, right? Right? You want to give him money. After him came in another Jew and told me, Rebbe, I need to marry off my daughter and I have nothing. How much you need? I need 400 rubles. Hmm. I thought to myself, God sent me 400 rubles. For him! I wanted to give him the whole money. But then I started to think to myself, why should I give the 400 rubles to one Jew? I better give 40 rubles to 10 Jews and help marry off 10 brides. Or help this guy with, with making a living and the other guy with this and all. There is so many needies. Why should I give the whole money to let them go other places and try to find money? And I didn't know what is the right thing to do. Then I stopped, I interrupted my, my, my sink people, and I sent them out, and I took a prayer book, a Psalms, the book of Psalms, and I prayed to God, he should help me to find, to make the right decision. Because in this case, there is only, not like people like to say, whatever you do is the right thing to do. No, 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 no. Whatever choices you make now, there is always right and wrong. It cannot be both of them right. I know people don't like to hear it, but there is not. Within this condition, there is right and wrong. I know Americans don't like it, I know. <laughs> there is right and wrong. There's no, no, it's okay, this. In America today, in the secular world, everything is okay. If you kill somebody, it's okay. Everything is okay, everything is accepted. <laughs> but even in good things, there is right and wrong. The question is how you know what's right and what's wrong. That's the question. Here he wants to give all the money for charity. The question is to give it to one person or to give it to 10 people. Finally, he said to himself like this. But for you to understand it, I'll give you another example that you better understand it. Because people don't understand what I was talking about. It took me many years to gain into the mind of people to be able to understand what they don't. You get up Saturday morning. Your wife tells you, let's go to show. You say, you know what? I'll go to visit my mother in Menorah Park. What's the right thing to do? What comes from the good inclination and what comes from the evil inclination? <laughs> It depends, and, and if you're using the mother as an excuse to not go to shul, or how you, oh, oh, oh. That the question is, how you know yourself if you're using it as an excuse? More than that, maybe even if I use it as an excuse, I still go to, I'm still going to visit my mother. Then what's the right thing to do? Should I go to synagogue, or should I go visit my mother? What Hashem wants from me? What comes? There is one thing is clear. One thing came from the good inclination, one thing is from the evil inclination. The question is, what, which one it is? It cannot be both of them are right. The answer is simple. When the idea to visit your mother came to you, did you plan last night? You told your wife, I'm going to visit my mother tomorrow? Or you plan to go to play golf? Then your wife starts to give you a hard time, let's go to shul. You say, no, don't go to visit my mother. It's a way to get out of going, from shul, of going to shul. 
Now you know they're going to shul, they're going to visit your mother is not the right thing to do. It's an evil inclination to make sure you're not going to shul. What happened with the, with the 400 rubles? He wanted, he, when he got the money, Rebnochem Chernobyl, this famous rabbi, said to himself, he didn't plan to give it for charity. He planned to use it. He has a family, he has a wife. When the first man walked in, he planned to give it to him for charity. That was his first instinct. instinct. Then come the evil inclination to them. No, why to give it to one person? Let's give it to ten. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, he'll only give him for him. The rabbi will walk in. He says, we need money. Before long, there'll be no meets and not, none of the... Even if the ten gets it's not the right thing to do. The first instinct to do the mitzvah, if he would get the money in the first time, he would say, you know what, I got 400 rubles, 300 I use for my family, 100 I use for charity. That was his thought to begin with, fine. Then he gives them 20, but he didn't have this thought. The first minute that he started to think about the money was to give it to one person. This other thought was to disturb him from doing the mitzvah. How, that's always what happens. What happens is people, they want to do a mitzvah, and a minute later, or his own evil inclination, or his spouse, or somebody else does, oh, no, but you need to do this. It's over. You need to do this. Before long, you forgot already you had this intention. Yeah, yeah, we wanted, we were about, it's over. Go after your instinct. You have an instinct to do a mitzvah? Jump on it. All the logical explanations why not to do it comes from Amalek comes from the evil side. And the same thing is with the, with the Nesim. The Nesim had good intention, but it came from the evil inclination. Because when a mitzvah comes to you, the leaders have to show an example. When you're staying home, you're waiting until everybody will come. And if nobody will come, can you imagine if the Jews would come to each other and say, where are the leaders? There's something wrong. If nobody is there, maybe, maybe, maybe it's not exactly the way Moses said it. Can you imagine the disappointment that Moses had? He comes out, and nobody, no, not one face that he knows, that he recognized. All these big machers, nobody's there. And finally, he says, you know, the people that I never expect them to come and to donate and to, and, to, and to be a part of this thing, they all showed up. They feel so good about themselves. Oh, Hashem, the Jewish people, you can count on them. Then the little showed up. <laughs> Moses was nice, you know, and another leader would tell him, go, we don't need you. <laughs> That's what happened. We have, when you have an opportunity to do a mitzvah, we have to grab it. Because if not, somebody else will do it. Hashem has his ways to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. In the story of the Megillah, we read there that he tells, he tells Esther, if you don't want to go to the king, God will find a way to bring salvation to the Jewish people. You will lose the opportunity. If we, Hashem wants to do something, He will do it. One way or another. It's up to us. If we, God gives us an opportunity to be a part of a mitzvah. We don't want to use it. People say, oh, I got involved in the community. Then they came for me for another thing, for another thing. The Mishnah says, the reward for a mitzvah is another mitzvah. That's one of the meaning of the commentaries. Yeah, because you did a good job, God gives you a second opportunity and a third opportunity. You know, if you're good, very good at work, they give you another job. They give you a, if you're bad, they don't give you anything. So no, no, don't give them. It was, it was always a schlep and you never got anywhere. But if you're good, oh, this guy's good. Give him a promotion. 
God gives us a promotion, and we say, no, 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 too much. What too much? Are you, are you saying that this, uh, that the, the, the Nassim, the Nassim, wasn't, what sounds to me like their, their first instinct thought was to, to, to wait? Not no. always the first instinct is the good instinct. Sometimes it's, it's the way to, to choose it. What I mean to say is, in the world of good, even good intention is sometimes the, the wrong choice. And, you know, people think when we, uh, we spoke before about this, uh, God give us a new spirit, God will take away from us the evil inclination. Still, the free choice, I mean, even with the world of good, without the evil inclination altogether, to make the right choices, you have to be smart. An example, you want to learn Torah with a group or like to learn very intelligent people, Oh, to learn Torah with children, they have to teach a manishtana. <laughs> Everybody can do it, don't you waste my time? I'll go teach things in Kabbalah, this little kid's not my business. The question is, what's God's business? What God wants from you? Not what you want. It's not about what I want, what I enjoy. It's not even a discussion what I need and what I want. What God wants from me now? That's a question. Mordechai, when it was the decree of Purim, he took, of uh, Amen, he took, he, he gathered 22,000 Jewish children and learned Torah with them. Mordechai, the leader of the Sanhedrin, the big macher, he was the advisor of the king. He can send, you know. You go and you go, he will appoint a few people and he will be busy with the important thing. Obviously, that was the important thing. The Baal Shem Tov, before he became the founder of the Hasidic movement, was an helper to a preschool teacher. Not a preschool teacher, it was the helper of the preschool teacher. He used to, he, his job was to pick up the kids from home in the, in the, in the, in the Shtetlach was a lot of mud. That in the winter, little kids couldn't go to school. He used to go to the house, pick them up on his end, and carry them to the schools. With so much love that they, 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 they say that he, he, uh, his disciple, the Maggid of Meish said, I wish myself that I will kiss the Torah with the love that the Baal Shem Tov carried the little boys, the little kids to school. Then if the Baal Shem Tov was enough for him to be busy with a little thing, which is not an unimportant thing, that that's what I mean to say, that's why you need. You know, there is many good things to do in every generation. The question is, what's the mitzvah of the generation? What's, what's the... What's the goal? What's our, what God wants from us? What should we concentrate on? 630 meters, you get lost. Forget about doing bad. I'm all good. I'm perfect. I'm a holy man. I have a billion dollars. What should I do with my money? Where should I put it? Here or there? IBM. That's the question. The question is what will that the Rebbe, for this you need a tzaddik to tell you what's the mitzvah of the generation. If the generations ago, the Jewish people were desperate. They were, they, they didn't, they were poor. And we needed to feed them physically. Over the people didn't have money. Our generation, the midst of the generation is to share Judaism with other Jews. The Jewish people are poor spiritually. Thank God they are not poor physically, financially. Most of the Jews, yeah, you can always find somebody who is, who is in need. The majority of the Jews are well off, better than ever in Jewish history, ever. But we are very poor spiritually. That the mitzvah of the generation is to share our spirituality, our Judaism with other Jews. By inviting him to a Seder, by inviting him to a Friday night, by making a class in the house, by making a mitzvah. In a nice way, not in a pushy way, obviously. But that's the mitzvah of the generation. There are many people can be busy with many good things. They're all good things. 
but not the good things that God needs now. Emergency. There is an emergency. There is many good things. The emergency is that every day other Jewish kids are intermarrying. They are gone. Tomorrow will be too late to talk to them. Today is the day. The other things, oh, this, there, there is people who are sick. We have to visit the sick. And we have to attend to the needy. Yeah, that's all nice and fine. But there is a fire. The emergency is in a different place. Then you might spend all your life doing good, but not the good that needed to be done. Now, many people don't like it, especially when they're involved in other good. They don't like to do such work. Now, what the bad? <laughs> that's, that's where the Nesim went wrong. And why the Torah tells us? We're not here to, to badmouth the, the leaders of the Jewish people. We're here to learn something. Then in the world of good is the hardest choices are made. And to make the right choices, you really have to be objective. And many times we cannot be objective about ourselves. You better ask somebody else. Ask your wife. You better off. She'll tell you the truth. <laughs> but we, it's very hard to know what's the, you know, it's like many, I had even in the, in the religious guy tells me, oh, somebody came to, a family member, right? somebody came to ask me for a donation. I told them, I'll give, I'll give already to my brother-in-laws who, who are also Chabad. I want to tell them, but you don't give them. This guy came to ask you, give him. Or you drink me a cup. You understand? It's to know, to be objective and to be honest about ourselves, what is really needed, that's a bigger challenge than the challenge from good to bad. After this speech, we can continue to learn. Um, the next thing I want to learn with you, okay, we'll continue on page 564, number 30. Moshe said to Bnei Yisrael, See Adonai has designated by name Betzalel, son of Uri, son of Chur, of the tribe of Yehuda. Okay, Betzalel, we don't know who it is, Betzalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur. Who is Hur? Uh, the second in command. Rashi of, says the son of Miriam, Miriam's son. What happened to Hur? He got killed. We learned about in the Golden Gate, he got killed. Then God is paying off. Bezalel, the son of Uri, who was the man who gave his life to stop the Jews from making the Golden Calf, and therefore he was killed. Then his grandson is going to build the temple that's an atonement for the Golden Calf. God is never left owing anybody anything. We have to remember that. Many times people think there is a famous line in Yiddish, the Rebishter Bleibnit Kim Balchoyev. Hashem doesn't, is not left to be owing, to owe anything to anyone. It might take a, it might take a few a few days, it might take a few weeks, a few months, even a few generations. God will pay you off. I was once, once years ago, when we just started, was a family that the, the guy was married to an un-Jewish girl, and he made a his wife converted and they had a religious wedding and became very religious. It was all that at the wedding, somebody else made it. I was there at the wedding too. And at the wedding, somebody stood up and said that this man's grandfather was one of the most hospitable Jews in Cleveland, was a religious man that every rabbi who came to town, stayed in his house, everyone who needed. And he said, God doesn't left owing anybody to anyone. God pays off. Yeah. Earlier or later, God will pay you off. Here is a perfect example. Bezalel is the one who is building the temple because who is grandfather gave his life for the temple. 
What are, why I'm saying it? First of all, sometimes people say, I do so many good deeds, nobody recognizes me, and nobody appreciates it, and nobody saw. You know what? Don't worry about this. It's human beings who don't recognize and don't see. God recognizes, God knows, and God will pay you off. And another thing is, sometimes they see another person who is very successful. Have you asked yourself, does he deserve it? Why my neighbor is so successful? I'm, I'm more righteous, I go to shul, I do this, and he's not, and he's a, he's a nice, a bad guy. Yeah, maybe his grandfather saved a life in the Holocaust. Your grandfather was not there, we don't blame you, mister. <laughs> but he's benefiting from his grandfather's mitzvahs, from good deeds. God pays whenever he decides is most needed. He keeps your mitzvahs and he says, I'll give it to you when you, when you really need it. And this is a perfect example of that. The Tzalel was the one to, be, to build the, the temple. He was a great nephew of Moses, right? Who is the son of Miriam? Miriam is Moses' sister. He's a great nephew of Moses. On one end, from his father's side, he was from the tribe of Judah. From his mother's side, he was, he was in the tribe of Levi, the Levites. Moses and Aaron are Levites. And he was it, uh, uh, appointed. Together with him, on page 565, number 34, together with him. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, yeah. Number 34. And, mm -hmm. the, and the ability to instruct, he stilled in his heart. He, Betzalel, and Oholev, the son of Achisomach, of the tribe of Dan. Oh, Oholev. Who is Oholev? How he came to the picture? Who knows him? Somebody from the tribe of Dan. You never heard until now from the time of that. But first of all, the Ramadash said that the Jewish people started to... Moses is appointing only his family. He's the high priest, he's the, he's the king, Aaron is the doors, his great nephew is building the temple. It's a family business. <laughs> but God told them he should appoint Oliav. Why? Who is Oliav? Oliav, Rashi says, number in the bottom of page 565, number 34, we'll read the Rashi and the Oliav. Uh, he was from the tribe of Dan, one of the lowliest of the tribes, one of the sons of Yaakov's maidservants. Okay, in the Jewish people, like in every nation, there is the elite, there is law, iron law. No matter how much we try to make everybody equal, the realities are realities. God created people who are iron lower, rich and poor, rich in knowledge, who give to the poor in knowledge, rich in money, who give to the poor in money. The world is created of givers and takers. Communism tried to make everybody equal and they made everybody poor. <laughs> that's what they accomplished. That's the world. The Jewish people is also the higher tribes, the tribe of Levites. Then it was the tribe, the, uh, Jacob had 12 sons from four wives. Eight of the children were born, six were born from Leah, two were born from Rachel. That's eight of the sons, eight of the tribe. The other four were born, were born to the two, the two maidservants, right? Bila and Zilpah. Dan is one of the maidservants' children. That naturally, in the Jewish people, they looked at them lower. They were from the lower level, if you want, for whatever reason. God says, to build the temple, I want one from the top and one from the bottom, together to build the temple. Why? To show that in the eyes of God, everybody is equal. Why we needed to show here? Because people gave donations, not equal. And everybody gives donations equal. Everybody gives a half a shekel. Then it's clear that everybody is equal right in the temple. But the temple was not by equal right. People gave as much as they want. That a person who gave very little feels that he doesn't have a connection. That God made it that the, that the two leaders should, the Rebbe explained it, 
because not everybody gave the same donations. Why not everybody? You cannot, you cannot build a temple from half a shekels, with all due respect. You know, it's all nice to make everybody equal, but the realities of life is it will not be enough to build a temple. Then to build a temple, you have to have a big fundraiser. People who will give more. That's the reality. Then the people who give less feel, feel bad. That's why you appointed two people from the highest and the lowest and to show that ultimately comes to build a temple, everybody's equal. You're right, he gave more, you have a bigger mitzvah, but everybody has equal right and equal ownership to the temple. And that's what Rashi continues to say. Yet God equates him to Bitzalel regarding the works of the Mishkan, and Bitzalel is from the greatest of the tribes. This mm -hmm. tends to fulfill what is stated. He does not recognize the rich over the poor. God does not recognize the rich, that's it, the rich over the poor. To make this point, God made it this way. Therefore, there is Bezalel and Noholiv. Everybody, to give everybody, nobody should be able to say, I don't have to have a part in the Mishkan. Oh, I'm, I'm not important enough. They don't want me there. Hashem appointed Noholiv. Don't tell me you, know, you are not wanted. Everybody is wanted. Everybody is welcome. Everybody can come and do it. Is it because that, I would think we would know this, but is it because that every, every Jewish person has a godly soul? So it's got to be... Ultimately, everybody is important. Nine rich there. people cannot make a minion. They need the tenth guy, even he's a schlepper. He has to make the minion. Nine Moseses cannot make a minion. The guy who is a, who is a unconvicted fellow in jail is the making the minion. I mean, that's the Judaism. If any religion is about equality... Judaism is the ultimate. That's what the good thing about the synagogue. In a shul, people come to shul, everybody can sit. You can, if you want to meet the richest guy in the community and ask him for a donation, where are you going to meet him? He's busy, he's out of town, he cannot get an appointment. In shul, everybody's there. No appointment, no secretaries, nobody can protect him from, from you. Everybody can go to everybody. Even the richest man, when he sits in shul, Around the table by the Kiddush, he knows he has to behave. He knows not, not because he's richer, he's, he makes him more important than anybody. The synagogue really equalizes the community. Everybody's a part of the minion, everybody's a part of the community. You know, a rich man cannot make a for himself. He cannot make a minion for himself. He can put a million dollars in him. Nine million dollars don't make you a minion. You need nine Jews. Then this is that Judaism is the religion that puts everybody equal. On the other end, let people competition is a good thing. Then those say, oh, because everybody's equal, everybody should give them the same donation. Yeah, it comes to the sacrifices, everybody gives life a shekel. But comes to other donations, everyone God the Torah recognizes and says that, that God created rich and poor. It's in the tour and the Torah, it's written in the Torah that will never cease poor people from the face of the earth. Why? Because God wants people should give to each other. God wants chesed. God wants kindness. God wants the give and take. You know, there is a prayer in one, one of the Chabad Rebbe's, the Rebbe Maharaj, he was called. He went, it was after the pogroms in Russia. He went to St. Petersburg to make a fundraiser. He called all the rich people in the community. And he said, you know, there is <coughs> communities and villages destroyed completely. They, they, they came and they destroyed the business. People uh, have, are homeless, they have nothing. We need to help them. And he saw that the people were like fetching. You know? ah, yeah, we'll see, we'll talk. It's not moving. But he says like this. I tell them, I'll sell you a Torah. I tell them. 
says it's written in the book of Psalms. There is called there is like a prayer for Moses, a prayer by David, right? There is a prayer by the poor man. It says, what is the poor man praying to God? You know what he's saying to God? I'll tell you what he's saying to God. The poor man tells God, God, I know you created rich and poor because you won't give us and take us. I know, I know. But why me? I'll be there. I'll be the giver. Why the taker? Then God listens and he checks if the givers are fulfilling their mission. If they give us a fulfilled mission, it continues the system. If not, it might change your heart. And this guy said that. <laughs> they all, they understood right away what the Rebbe is telling them, and they all were very generous. <laughs> then God created rich and poor. It's not only about money, it's about knowledge, it's about, you need a teacher. To make a child, you cannot do it yourself. You need somebody else, a husband and a wife. Two people can make a child. God wanted people giving and taking the kindness in the world. And that's why it got created this way. Then comes on page 566, number four. Number four. All the, <clears throat> all the wise men came who were executing all the holy tasks, each and every man from the task in which he was engaged. They said the following to Moshe, the people are bringing too much, more than is needed for the task, which Adonai has commanded to execute. They came to Moshe and they said, people bring too much. What do you think about it? Was it a good thing to? What do you think? That can be based on that. <laughs> They're wise men. They're wise men. That's the problem. They're too wise. I mean, did anybody ask them to bring a, to to give them an inventory? They were called to do the work, right? They come to Moshe and oh, that Moshe, there is too much. Maybe Moses wants to start an endowment fund. I don't know what. <laughs> Ask you to give Moses advice. What's it, well, above it says Moshe called to Basel and to Eliav and to every wise-hearted man, whom, but, whom God, had, whom Hashem had endowed with wisdom in his heart. I know, but all the wise men. He doesn't say Bezalel. He calls them the wise men, the Oibachochems, the people who think they are too wise, smarter than Moses. Too much. Then Moses said was false to do what they said to the following to Moses. Oh, oh we are number six. Go ahead, continue. Moshe. Moshe commanded, and they proclaimed throughout the encampment, saying, Let no man or woman bring any more material for the sacred offering. And the people stopped bringing. Okay, Shekoyach, what he accomplished? The people did not have any more the opportunity to do a mitzvah. Mm -hmm. So it was a mitzvah not to do a mitzvah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you something. Moses commissioned them to do the work, right? Not to give his advisors, to tell them what to do. Too much, uh, who asked you? You know, we will say a similar thing. Where somebody also gives advice to Moses? Jethro. Jethro comes to Moses, he says, Moses, you will not be able to handle the old Jewish people. You know, delegating is not, doesn't take a genius to find, come up with this idea. You think Jethro, but it's like, we need at least, Moses was thinking, I need my, my father-in-law to come all the way from Midian to give me this advice. He sent him back home right after this advice. When the Jews come and say, we have too much, then when the blessing stops. Will we see it? We see it in a story mm -hmm. with Elisha the prophet. Elisha, there's a story about a woman came to Elisha, she said, 
I owe money and I don't know they want to take my children as slaves and he says what do you have in the house? He says I have uh, oil. oil. He says okay go collect all the vessels. Mm. She came she collected she stopped boom. Then it's written like this and the son says there is no more vessels and then it's written the oil stopped. When you say there is no more vessels then the oil stops. We stop the blessing. Oh, I can take it. Oh, fine. Oh, I stop to talk. If Moses says too much, Moses, what? It's like you're teaching you. Te it's like Moses came up with the idea, right? He was just 420 days at Mount Sinai. He didn't eat and drink. He made it, right? And he's smart enough, like you guys. No, no, we have to help him. You know, there is no. We asked you to give. We, he asked you to give you inventory. He asked you to tell you how much is there. Don't stick your nose, you don't belong. Don't give God advice. That's the point. God tells you to do something. Hasidim by the Rebbe never gave the real Hasidim never gave the Rebbe advice. Just to say, if you if you will need to know, you will figure this out. He doesn't need my advice. There was even guys that the Rebbe asked asking a question, they didn't even answer. The Rebbe doesn't need my answers. He knows. For sure to come to come on your own initiate and give advice. Like here is a, a perfect example. <laughs> Maybe we would still have from the money that they collected that we could build the temple here. <laughs> this is like a year. <laughs> Who told you to stop him? You ever saw a rabbi ever say that's enough? What is this? Imagine <laughs> they invested at that point. Well, how much would it be worth now? Yeah, yeah would we invest it? Would... <laughs> that's my take to this story. Too much. Nobody asked him to, 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 it's too much. They, they, the Jewish people stopped to bring and then they started to build the temple. And then I want to show you, while they were building the temple, that's all details how they build and this, and it's uh, beautiful. And they made, and they made the, the basin. Oh, here it is. Page 575. Chapter, I mean, it's chapter 38. Number eight. He made, the, he made the basin out of copper and its base out of copper from the mirrors of the women who had gathered at the entrance of the tent of the meeting. Aha, uh -huh. okay. The women bought mirrors to the temple. They bought donations. Well, everything they had. Mirrors also was a part of it. Look what Rashi says. Rashi number, on page 575, number eight. Read Rashi. From the mirrors of the women who had gathered, the daughters of Israel possessed mirrors into which they would look when adorning themselves, even those that did not withhold from bringing as a contribution for the Mishkan. They were so, they were so excited. They brought the most important thing they need for themselves. They give it to the Mishkan. But, however... Moshe found them repulsive since their purpose is to incite the evil inclination. Right. It's vanity. Mirrors. Don't we cover the mirrors in a... In a you ever saw a show with mirrors inside the sanctuary? You're not allowed to. You're not allowed to dive them when you see your face, your reflection. Even in front of a, for a window, window. Anything, anything glass that shows your reflection, you better cover the curtain or do something. Cannot, you cannot look at yourself. You're praying to God, not to yourself. That Moses bought the mirrors. Moses came, you know what Moses said? Fair! <laughs> mirrors, what is this? <laughs> God told them, 
God said to him, God had a different opinion. Accept them, for these are dearer to me than everything else. Aha! God loves the males. Moses might not, but God loves them, because... Through them, the women raised huge multitudes in Egypt. When their husbands were exhausted from their crushing labor, they, the women, would go, out, go and bring them food and drink and feed them. They would then take the mirrors, and each one would look at herself and her husband in the mirror and entice him with words, saying, See, I am more beautiful than you. Okay. Um, let's stop right here, and then we'll continue. In Egypt, the Jewish men gave up on having children. To have children, to be thrown into the river, to work, to be slaves. Who needs it? More than that, the men were not home. The whole agenda of Pharaoh was to make sure that the Jewish people do not have children. One of the ways was to kill the Jewish babies. He knew that that's how they will start to have it. The other way is they didn't allow them to bathe themselves in the, in the river, in the Nile River. That the women, to a point, used some type, some version of mikveh. And that was the only way to... He said, you're not allowed, you're contaminating the water. That's why the first plague was what turned the river to blood. You tried to make sure that the Jewish woman cannot get rid of the pure blood, you will have your own water into blood. That the whole agenda, if you look good, what Pharaoh tried to do is to reduce the numbers of the Jewish people. That he kept the men at work, at the field. They never came home. And they didn't want to have children. The women used to beautify themselves. Prepare a nice supper for her husband. Go out with the mirror. Say, look how you look. Look how I look. Now continue the Rashi on page 576 in top of the page. Thereby, Thereby awakening their husband's desire, and they would cohabitate with them. They conceived and gave birth there. As it is stated, under the apple tree did I arouse you. That is the intent of what is said by the mirrors of... Uh, so, so vote. Okay, thank you. Basically, God says... <laughs> God said, these mirrors that the Jewish women did, and they, more than that, you know what Sobot means? God says, if not for these women, wouldn't be a new generation to come out from Egypt. Who, who, who would take out from Egypt? A few, of all, a few old lady, old men? Who would take out from Egypt? They started, they made sure it would be a new generation. Then these mirrors are very dear to me. Basically, the act of the Jewish woman in Egypt that they continue to have children, despite all odds, and against all odds. It didn't make sense to have children in such a situation. And they continue to have children. God said, this is what I want to remind to everybody who comes to the temple. They, they, are, they are so dear to me, these mirrors. And I love them, and I want them, you should put them in the temple. That's why there is a Talmudic statement, because of the merit, merit of, the, of the righteous woman, the Jewish people left Egypt. When I was a child, I thought that... Um, What's the merit of the righteous women? They were saying, tell him, they were praying. They were <laughs> helping God the old people. No, 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 no. This is what we're talking about. Seducing the husband to have children. In a time that it doesn't make to have a child. They're like a Holocaust time. You want to have children now? Are you crazy? They continue to have children. That faith. That's why there was a new generation. That because of Jewish women we left Egypt was the redemption from Pesach. Because of a Jewish women was the redemption of Purim. Esther, because of Jewish women was the redemption of Hanukkah. It's a story of Judith. It's a different story. And that's God said, I want this mirrors here. What they made from it? They made from it a basin for washing the hand. On the way to the temple, you see, you, re you remind it, why are you so holy? Who is doing it? 
your wife who is, who is home maybe and taking care of, of everything. That's, that's why, why you can go to the temple. Then what it looked, in, again, all of this, what you learn today, is what it looks in one way, it's actually the other way. If it's between the leaders of the tribe who had good intention, if it was every time when, we, when we're thinking that the right thing is one way, actually the right way is the other way. And that's we have to look deeper always. The mirror tells us that there is another layer behind the mirror. There's, that's what makes it a mirror. There's always something deeper. And we, before we jump and we become so holy, we have to look into see what, 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 what God wants here, not what I want here. And then we have, we have a few more minutes. We'll go. That's the old parsha of Ayakil. That's only the first parsha. is about the, the then the second parsha. Five seventy nine is parsha's Kudel. He says the numbers, the accounting. God, Moses gave an accounting of all the things that were uh, was received. He told them how much gold came and how much silver and how much everything. He was, what he made from the gold and what he made, what he made from the silver and what he made from the copper. It's not written what Moses made from the gold. It's only written what he made from the copper and the silver. The, the joke, the, the saying goes, the people who gave the gold, don't ask questions. The big donors, they trust you. They, don't, they want you to, be, to, 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 make, to turn this around, to make it happen. But the real reason is because the Jews didn't give enough gold. It was much more done with the gold that the Jews donated. Moses had to donate his own gold or find his own gold to donate to the temple. The Jewish people gave a lot of silver and a lot of copper, but gold was not enough. Could be. They used it up before? They used it up. I just thought about it. I don't know if this is the explanation. Probably could be that some matter somebody says it. But that was, they used it up in the wrong place. When you use something in the wrong place, it's, it's, it's gone. It's not, it's not there anymore. The whole second parsha is about this. And then by the end, when they, when they finished to build the temple, they came to Moses. On page 594, can I ask you a question about the finishing the temple? Yes. Didn't we just have in the Parsha before, before something about the eighth day and the inauguration of the temple? Oh, the same. Will be later also. Again? Solid. It's repeated again? No, 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 no. It's repeated again. It's eight day, the seven days, and then the whole inauguration of the temple. We read it in Parsha's Baaloiskom. No, sorry, Parsha's Nosa. In, in the book of uh, Numbers. The second Parsha in the book of Numbers, we'll read about it. But here on page 594, number 17. You want to read? Sure. It was the first month of the second year, on the first day of the month that the Mishkan which was set up. Which month is the first month? Nisan, the month before Pesach. This, this coming month, Rosh Chodesh Nisan, in, in a few days. Next week, when is Rosh Chodesh? Which Tuesday. Day? Tuesday, next Tuesday. A week from today will be Rosh Chodesh Nisan, the day that they established the temple. It's written in the Medrash that they finished preparing the temple. They started Yom Kippur, right? Of the FM Kippur. They, did, they finished everything on the 25th of Kislev. 25th of the Kislev later became Hanukkah. Mm-hmm. But God says, I want to wait. I want to start to build the te- to, build, to establish the temple on the 1st of Nisan. Because Nisan is the month the Jews left Egypt. That from Kislev until Hanukkah, it was waiting for a good few months. 
Then God rewarded the 25th of Kislev many generations later, it should become a, a special day also connected to the temple, and that was Hanukkah. Is. Hmm. Hanukkah means the de dedication. That was, here is what the dedication of the temple, and that was the rededication of the temple. But that was, that was in the first of the month. Moses, and Moses established the temple. Moses put it up together by himself. Mm -hmm. Nobody could do it. Moses had to do it. For some reason, nobody was also able to do it. Now, how fast did they build it then? You, you confuse me. Just in a few months? Yeah. They built it quickly. They were very excited about the building of the temple. Just remember, they didn't have a job, all of them. <laughs> nobody was working in the head were all on welfare, you know, everybody got mana, they were equal, everybody got the same amount of mana, and everybody was, that's why there were so many complaints there, you know, <laughs> people were not busy, no newspapers, no, no TV, I mean, <laughs> no internet, but Moses established the temple, he was the first one to put together the temple. How old was he, do you have any idea? Yeah, I have an idea, he was 80 years old, 81. Okay. Mm -hmm. But it's written that the way he built the temple, he couldn't do it myself. God like helped him. God told him, just put your hand and I will help you. And the lesson is, we think we build the temple. Just keep telling us, put your hand. Just put your finger in cold water, the rest I'll do. But if you don't put your hand in cold water, we, don't, we cannot do it for you. You have to start. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.